The Quack presents The Losers Guild. I'm Dave Atkinson. This little homemade podcast is written and voiced by me, but I couldn't have made it without the support of the super pals of my Patreon. People like Lori Brinklow and Allison Schott. Thank you. To become a member, visit patreon.com slash the underscore quack. Chapter One. Sister Cat was late. She knew she was late. She felt terrible about it. She was supposed to be serving lunch soon at the Fellowship Hall. It was at least a 10-minute walk from the Eleanor Dockyards to the temple in the upper town. But she couldn't leave. Not just yet. The Eleanor waterfront was bordered on the east and west sides by two prominent docks reaching out into Lake Sparrow. The western dock didn't have a name, but since it belonged to the Royal Shipyard, locals usually referred to it as the Royal Dock. The eastern dock had a giant painted sign, so everyone knew its name. The word fantabulo could be read in larger-than-life black and white from across town and well out into the lake. "'Morning, Sister Cat,' said a gravely but cheerful voice. Cat looked down from her perch on Fantabulo Dock. A stout-looking halfling with a sunburnt face and worn hands smiled up at her from the deck of a small single-masted fishing boat tied to the dock. "'Good morning, Benny,' shouted Cat. "'How was the fishing this morning?' Mistra must have been with us this morning, sister, he said, blushing slightly. We hit a run of yellow perch that just about filled the nets, and the price is good today. Mistra be praised. Sister Cat winked. Give Mistra her due, Mr. Broadfoot, but don't forget to take some credit for yourself, she said. You and your girls work super hard. Kind of you to say so, sister, said Benny, tipping his hat. Excuse me for saying so, but this time of day I expect to see you up at the Fellowship Hall. It was Sister Cat's turn to blush. You caught me, Benny, she said. A little birdie told me the morning dawn was on her way home, and I couldn't help myself. I had to be here. She's the finest ship on the lakes, admitted Benny. I won't tell anyone I saw you. Your secret's safe with me. Thanks, Benny, said Cat with a grin. No sooner had the words left her mouth, the sails of the schooner became visible around the point. The morning dawn was a splendid ship. She was long and sleek, with two giant masts rigged out with more canvas than Sister Cat thought possible. She traveled the length of Lake Sparrow, carrying goods and people from the mouth of the lake near Hell's Falls to Eleanor, the colonial capital of New Deeg. As the morning dawn moved into clearer view, Benny moved to the mast of his little boat and rang a small brass bell mounted there. The clanging was soon joined by the ringing of another bell further up the quay, and another. It was tradition to greet the greatest ship on the lakes with the ringing of every ship's bell at port. Eleanor Harbor was soon a symphony of bells as the ship drew closer. Sister Cat could see the morning dawn's crew hustling to haul in sail as her pilot began to navigate the waters of her home berth. A chill ran up Cat's spine. The ship was beautiful, but what Sister Cat loved most of all were the people she brought with her. 
The deck of the morning dawn was crowded with passengers looking hopefully towards shore. The ship brought immigrants from the old world looking to start a life here in the new one. When it arrived in Eleanor, the deck of the morning dawn was loaded with more hope and adventure than a whole shelf of storybooks. Cat scanned the ship. A young human girl, who looked to be five or six years old, squirmed in her father's arms as he pointed out the different sights in the little colonial town. A short, strong-looking man with ruddy cheeks kissed his partner in joy, no doubt repeating to him all of the promises he'd ever made about their life in this new world. Somewhere over the din of bells ringing in the harbor, a tiny melody was trying to break through. Sister Cat cocked an ear to hear it better. It was quick and simple, but pretty and catchy. She looked around to see the source of the song. Cat nearly missed the little goblin sitting on the deck of the ship. The little fellow sat with his skinny legs dangling over the side. He wore a tattered knitted cap and held a concertina in his hands, squeezing it absently as he rocked back and forth in time to his own song. If he was excited to be arriving in this new place, his face didn't betray it. In fact, if Sister Cat were to guess, she'd say the little guy wasn't even looking at Eleanor. He seemed lost in his own music. The song he played spoke to her heart in a way she did not expect. She didn't recognize the melody, but in a weird way it struck her as familiar. It triggered a tiny wave of nostalgia. For what? She couldn't say. She'd been so absently staring at the little goblin and took her a moment to realize he was staring right back at her. A sly grin played at his lips. He winked at her across the harbor. Sister Cat flushed. She felt like she'd been caught doing something secret. Just as quickly as the shared moment with the goblin started, it ended. He looked away. His song shifted to a new tune. Just then, a new sound stirred Sister Cat's heart. The lunch bell. Every day at this time, a tone emanated from the temple to announce the dinner hour. It was the signal for the citizens of Eleanor to put down what they were doing and make their way to their homes or a public house to break bread together, under the blessing of Mistra, the empire's patron god. Oh no, she gasped. I'm really late. Sister Cat ran up the dock at top speed, dodging piles of coiled rope and stacks of wooden crates. When her feet hit the cobbled stone of solid land, she bolted right up Water Street, away from the center of town. Good morning, Sister Cat, called a farmhand waiting in the queue outside a rustic but homey-looking pub called the Bucket of Blood. Good morning, Agnes, panted Cat, rushing past. Sorry, I can't stop to chat. Oh, I know, said Agnes with a kind but playful smirk. She's going to be late, said a younger man standing beside Agnes. Again, said another man, not unkindly. The trio laughed. Sister Cat was too far up the road to protest this teasing, and really, she knew she deserved it. She lived to cheerfully serve the people in the name of Mistra. But there were so many exciting and beautiful things going on in the world, there wasn't enough time in the day to see them all. She ran further east along Water Street, past the sailmaker's barn and Rennie's smoothie shop, when she hit Toadstool Farm Lane, she turned left and away from the lake. Toadstool Farm Lane represented the unofficial border between town and country of Eleanor. The Toadstool family had been settled in these parts long before there even was a town. 
The lane was older than the town as well, being the original laneway and access to the homestead farm of the humble halfling family, which gave it its name. As such, it meandered a bit more than you would expect a street to do, winding this way and that to avoid a giant elm tree or divert to the toadstool's apple orchard. It was as Sister Cat ran past the orchard, she heard crying. Mama, cried a little voice. Mama, Borba. Sister Cat forgot her destination. She stopped in her tracks. Bibi, she called, dashing to the orchard. Bibi Toadstool, is that you? Cat wove through the gnarly apple trees, pushing through the long grass that grew at their bases. Bibi, she called. Where are you, sweetie? Mama, cried the little voice one more time, before descending into a wailing cry. Each sob pulled at Sister Cat's heart. The poor girl sounded hurt and scared. Cat looked around and saw no one. Where are you, Bibi? she called. I can't find you. I'm, gasped the girl. I'm in the orchard, she called, before collapsing again into sobs. Sister Cat stopped to listen. The girl's cries were bouncing around this old orchard and seemed to be coming from everywhere at once. Calm down, Cat, she said to herself. She's around here somewhere. We do what we do whenever we're in a tight spot. Sister Cat took a deep breath to clear her mind. She closed her eyes and began to pray. Mother Mistra, goddess of magic, keeper of the weave, I come to you this hour in need. Help me find this girl so that I may comfort her and bring her closer to you. Show me the way. She breathed in and out. Her hand reached up to grasp the pendant around her neck, a simple medallion of silver etched with the image of an eight-pointed star. Show me the way. Her eyes popped open. Cat turned back toward the older section of the orchard and ran. Cat moved confidently through the trees, sidestepping roots and stumps that she knew almost intuitively were hidden in the long grass. She could hear the child's cries clearly now, coming from the north end of the orchard. I'm coming, Bibi, she said. She found the little halfling girl lying in a heap in the grass at the base of a twisted old apple tree. She lay in her side, cradling her limp left arm against her chest. Bibi was one of more than a dozen toadstool grandkids who lived in the sprawling family homestead. Sister Cat had a soft spot for the toadstool kids. Polite and friendly, they were always up to some mischief or another. I'm here, Bibi, said Sister Cat, kneeling beside the girl, laying comforting hands upon her arm and shoulder. It hurts, cried Bibi. It hurts so much. Of course it does, sweetie. Let me take a look. Bibi winced as Cat examined her arm. It didn't take a healer to see what the problem was. The forearm twisted at an unnatural angle from the elbow. Bibi, you've broken your arm, said Sister Cat. That must hurt a whole lot. Bibi cried. How did it happen? asked Cat. I fell, she said softly between sobs. She pointed with her good arm into the branches of the tree above her. From up there. Sister Cat looked up. From way up there, she said. You must be one heck of a climber. I climbed higher than Julie, she said proudly through the tears. Bibi was talking, thought Cat. This was a good sign. 
I bet you did, said Cat. And you're going to have a sling on your arm for a few months as proof. Can you sit up? I can try, said the girl. She shifted her weight to roll herself over, but stopped short. Ow, ow, ow! She gasped in pain, starting a fresh batch of tears and sobs. I can't, she said between cries. My knee! Bibi pressed her face into Sister Cat's shoulder. Cat held her close, realizing the little girl was in bigger trouble than she had thought. I'm going to have to carry you out, she said. It's going to hurt when I pick you up, but we've got to get you home. No, cried Bibi. I can't move. Can you boo-boo kiss it? Cat sighed. Oh, Bibi, I'm afraid not, she said. This is a bit too big of a boo-boo. Sister Cat was famous among the kids in Eleanor. She wasn't a healer like some of the senior clerics of the temple, but she had a special way with bumps and scrapes. All the kids in town, including the toadstool kids, knew to take their little hurts to the fellowship hall, where Sister Cat could kiss them better. Sister Cat thought of it as a little gift from Mistra, a small kiss and a prayer, just enough to ease the everyday hurts that come with an adventurous childhood. Bibi's injuries were clearly beyond what Mistra had planned for Cat's ministry. Please, Sister Cat, said Bibi. Please kiss my boo-boo. I know you can. Darling, I wish I could, said Sister Cat. I'm so sorry, it's just too big. Please, begged Bibi. Sister Cat sighed. She looked into the girl's eyes and saw a quiet faith that Cat would make everything better. Okay, she said. Okay. Sister Cat closed her eyes. She breathed in and out. Her hand reached again for the pendant around her neck. Help me help her, she whispered. Cat's head knew this was too big a hurt for her to heal with her meager powers. Her heart told her to do it anyway. A warmth grew within her. It was familiar and new at the same time. She felt the faith she had as a little girl, knowing Mistra was real and would always take care of her. The feeling grew and became something new, something tangible. It felt like something she could not only hold inside of her, but draw on like a well to give to someone else. In that moment, she reached inside of herself to take some of that feeling, that faith, that warmth, and gave it to Bibi. Heal, little one, she whispered. Cat felt the warm power move through her hands and into Bibi. There was a quiet moment. Bibi's arm reached out to hug Sister Cat around the neck. It was her broken arm. The little girl giggled. Cat pulled back and took a look at the girl. Her cheeks were still stained with tears, but their color was rosy and bright. Bibi smiled. She moved her arm as if nothing had ever happened. It doesn't hurt anymore. It doesn't? asked Sister Cat. The Losers Guild is written and produced by me, Dave Atkinson. Find more, including links to my socials, newsletter, and Patreon at daveatkinson.ca. Thanks for listening. See you next week.